Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. It's a very strange time, isn't it, Pat? Feels uh, we've got no game to talk about. We're obviously a little bit later than scheduled. Normally, we'd have a Monday podcast. Um, Game's obviously postponed at the weekend. We wanted to sort of hold the chat off until we knew a little bit more around what we were going to be talking about, what games we were actually going to be playing, because it did appear that our next game was going to be the North London derby. Um, but there is now a confirmed fixture on Sunday, earlier kickoff, 12pm, against Brentford to talk about. And there's been a whole host of changes to the schedule, which we'll, we'll get into, I'm sure you're already aware of, but we'll chat about how that's uh, potentially affected Arsenal and whether we think it will have a good or bad or indifferent impact on the team. How are you feeling about everything, Pat? We were... Um, listeners won't know, but we were all going to be meeting actually at the Emirates to watch the Everton game on Sunday. Um, yeah, it was the first ever fresh Arsenal pod meet. Yeah, like all four of us meeting at the same time. It was, it was. So big shame um, that we didn't get to that, but I'm sure we will get another chance this season. Hopefully, um, how are you feeling about it all, Pat? Missing. Mission Arsenal, even though it's not been actually a week since our last game officially, but it, it feels like a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm very annoyed at the Everton game. That one is, yeah, pretty bizarre. I mean, I won't get into, you know, chips on the table. I'm definitely not what you'd call a royalist. Um, I'm also definitely not on the spectrum of like, uh, you know, you know, this is a disaster. Like we shouldn't have can- like nothing ever should be cancelled type of thing. Like I, I feel that if all the games were cancelled next weekend, as a, as a mark of respect, I, I would have been like you know shrug. Maybe not my personal opinion or, or thinking, but fair enough type of thing. Um, 
yeah, but the Everton game, I just found a bit crazy. And I, it just felt like football and the Premier League especially jumped the gun on that one because we saw a bunch of other sports that were able to continue playing. I always felt that if it's not a policing issue and it's up to the Premier League, we should have 100% carried on. The Everton game, um, although we'd play, put some minutes into players on the Thursday beforehand, um in a game that was kind of weird against Zurich where you know we played a lot more first teams than we thought. I thought it would have been a good good game to bounce back from the United one and then go into a fairly tricky-ish Brentford game before a uh, obviously really tough North London derby. But now things have turned on their head. And actually, we haven't spoken since the Zurich game, have we? So it might be worth uh, touching on what you thought from that game and obviously the news of the Queen's death came at half time during that game and mm. inevitably everyone's thoughts were oh when are they going to postpone what are they going to postpone type of thing mm. yeah let's go back to it and talk about football um obviously winning start crucial uh i think we had slight different views on this and we chatting in the whatsapp chat so um worth talking through i just felt i felt the team felt like it was too easy kind of thing. And I didn't think we were sharp or um, I just think we could have put that game to bed a lot quicker and then sort of done the more relaxed stuff in the second half. Cause I understand, I think I tweeted like, I understand why the players aren't playing for their lives. Like it's a cup final in a fixture like this, especially cause at the time they would have thought that there was a game on at the weekend and um, you know we were going to do the whole two game a week thing so i understand we're not going to get the same level of intensity and, and and all of that that we'll see in the north london derby but i just felt like especially with the players we had out there that we could have gone for their throat a bit more um in the first half and i know we had a lot more shots and things but i think it's a trend in in our recent five games or so isn't it that we've in a lot of games had a lot of domination that the scoreline hasn't reflected. So I guess that just was a slight worry for me that we're not managing to get ourselves into cosier situations before we sort of uh, relax a little bit. And, you know, just the fact that I was feeling slightly uneasy and nervous about free kicks we were conceding in the 90th minute mm. against Zurich was something I, I didn't want to be feeling on a, on a Thursday night from a selfish point of view, but, you know, ultimately we win and, you know, it's another win this season. It's a positive thing. But I just felt a few players and the general mood was just a little bit untidy compared to what I would like to see. Like, I want to get my popcorn out on Thursday nights and relax yeah. for the group stages at least, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, just going back to the starting lineup, were there any surprises there? Any players that you thought played that definitely wouldn't? I know we've had loads of discussions about this. Mm. Um I, and again, this might be slightly unpopular, I really didn't understand Matt Turner starting. I, I know we, we had a bit of a disagreement in that in the chat uh, with some of the guys, but I look at Aaron Ramsdale as a player who has never played in Europe, needs European experience. He needs to be playing in these kind of big, raucous away atmospheres. And, and I don't know what kind of deal has been made with Turner in terms of playing time. But I really would have thought that, okay, if he got a couple of the Europa League games, if we'd already secured first, that, that would have made sense to me. And then if you look at 
Arsenal probably going fairly deep in the league and FA Cup this season, considering our squad is a lot stronger. I, I, I think that if he'd made 10 to 15 appearances in his first ever season in England, that would have been deemed as fairly good for him. Um, so I, I, I didn't really understand that. And I think he very much transmitted some of that nervousness that I think you felt in those first 20 to 30 minutes. I mean, there was a quarter, like again, on the ball, I'll, I'll kind of be willing to look past that. Cause I know he's not, he's not that guy. Um, but even kind of like there was a corner that he came out for missed. There was a couple of crosses that he like kind of stepped forward to it and, and tried to get and, and didn't. And I know it's weird to think this already, but kind of coupling it with the thoughts of what Leno was kind of said in that interview about it being political and stuff like that. I, it does make me wonder like, Eight million pounds for a twenty-seven, twenty-eight-year-old goalkeeper who's had less appearances than Ramsdale, who can't really use his feet, it looks a little bit jittery. Again, I know your second keeper can't be amazing, and and I was definitely of these thoughts in in preseason that you know no one has a really good second choice keeper. Um, I think Colin Kelleher is probably the best one right for Liverpool, and he's a baby in goalkeeper's terms, but. I know what. What are your thoughts in, on his performance in particular before we kind of talk about the the lack of clinicalness in, in the game? Because I thought that was probably the biggest talking point of the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate around sort of the politics comments and things that Leno's come out with. I'm just going to judge it on on the player in the squad, and you know, I don't have a problem with him starting this game. I think he's got to play some games. We've got a ultimately got to see if he's unusably bad a bit like they did with Renarsson and then you just get him out because I don't think Renarsson ever played in the league had we never experimented with him in in Europe and in the league cup game he probably would have cost us points in the league um so there's an element of seeing what we've got Matt Turner I I think to be honest his performance is nowhere near as bad as what I've since found out, you know, I tend to not look at Twitter during the game, but listening to other podcasts and, and things, people seem to have been saying there was a lot of uh, dislike for his performance during the game. But I do think we're being a little bit biased there with, you know, I he gets it. The main thing he did wrong was that um, issue with the back pass from Gabriel, which is a terrible pass from him. Yeah. Um, and Ramsdale has stuff. I mean, Ramsdale two or three times has cleared it into their striker and could have ended up in a goal or done a bad pass out this season for all his great passing. So I don't think it's a, a hugely bad performance at all. I mean, the only goal we can see is the penalty. I think he claimed a couple of crosses fairly confidently. I think, you know, this isn't a Renata level. He is America's number one keeper. He, he might not be very good with his feet, but I think, you know, he's a usable player. I think Ramsdale will come in for the, the knockouts of this competition. But ultimately, we do need to offer Turner some football. I'm sure he he's probably been told League Cup and group stages of, of Europa League and see where you get from there. Um, you know, if you're impressed, you can 
try and work towards more but he will have been given some assurances on minutes given it's uh, the World Cup as well yeah. in December I'm sure yeah uh, yeah I, I I think probably the answer is somewhere in between like as you said with Renarsson if he becomes a player that is clearly an issue whenever he plays which I, I don't think he will be because first of all I don't think he'll play many games and I don't think he'll play many important games then they'll make that decision when they will. They've kind of shown that they've been, I guess, ruthless with signings that haven't worked out, right? Like if we look at, there's precedent in terms of Renarsson, Willian, you know, even Nuno Tavares who got loaned out after one year. I, I think that Arsenal are kind of saying, okay, if it don't work, if it doesn't work out, let's make sure we we kind of fix that and decide really early and, and set our stall out really early. So, Listen, if you told me in two seasons' time that Matt Turner's sold to a team in Germany or, or back to the MLS, I honestly wouldn't be shocked. But I'm I'm hoping that it works out for him because uh, he seems super happy to be there and, and clearly is a an Arsenal guy. But just going mm. through on the performance a little bit, like I thought that actually a lot of our patterns of play and build up were pretty good. I think it was literally in the box, kind of similar to the United game where we weren't as decisive and as good. And again, is that a cause for concern? Maybe, but I kind of tend to tend to view it as like the last time we played Europa League, any rotation to that starting 11, basically, and even last season caused us to be completely dysfunctional. Like you remember the Danny Ceballos uh, central midfield with El Elneny and then Shaka out at left back. Um, that really didn't work. And then last season, you know, if Tommy Asu and Tierney were out, we kind of felt like a kamikaze back line. We had situations where we were playing Maitland Niles and Lacongre in central midfield where we kind of got away with it with wins at Watford and um, away to Burnley when they, they came on to see out games. I am in the position now where I, I can't help but look at that performance positively simply because we changed a bunch of players and we played the exact same. And now maybe I'm looking at it too simplistically, but I think that's a really big positive long-term, right? If you can make like five to six changes to your 11, again, I, I understand the opposition isn't great and still play in the same way, occupy the same spaces, play in the same kind of cohesive passing possession-based dominant nature. I think that sets a really good... Mm. pattern for me going forward with rotation and it makes me feel more confident and again we should be more clinical in the box we should have scored three or four but that for me was I guess where I found the positives in this performance yeah don't get me wrong I don't think there wasn't any positives I just I think it goes back to what I said at the start was expecting it to be more comfortable mm. um, but, I mean the huge positive for me it's got to be Marquinhos right mm. I think he came in um, in the summer for just £3 million. Was a player who who barely even had sort of highlights or statistics. You know, we've done a few mm. YouTube videos and looked at um, players we've been linked to, but because of his limited senior football one playing in the Brazilian league, there wasn't really anything to go off for us to know much about this player. We saw a few clips which showed him as, as clearly being very strong for his age. I... We've seen him in the youth team, if people have seen the um, highlights from that, where you've sort of seen that he's got a good shot and, and cross on him. But 
this was our first real look at the player and I mean wow I did I didn't see him I guess the main thing is I didn't see him as being as technically secure and sort of positionally aware of his role when you talked about the same patterns of play I feel like he really looked at mm. what Sack has been doing and he he replicated the shapes the patterns of play really well he just had better close control than I envisaged a player of that age would have I don't know I in my head I thought we would have like a Theo Walcott or something like a really raw talent who's got loads of pace but is really untidy maybe like a really early Martinelli um, kind of style but he seems to have really good close control I know it's one game but normally you can tell someone's sort of technical ability and, and ball control just it from watching them once a lot of people have made some some comps but actually it reminded me a bit of Joel Campbell I know that's really weird but it was mm. a player that came in as a complete unknown quantity right mm. we had sent him on loan for two or three seasons came back and everyone was like, oh, actually, this guy can play football and is technically good. He's never, he was never going to be a world beater, right? But in terms of like the technical assuredness, that's what it reminded me of in terms of like ball comes to feet. He's not looking like he has to sort his feet out. And I, then if you add on top, layer on top of it, like how smooth the ball hit, like gets off his foot is really, really crazy. Like he looks like he doesn't generate any power on that assist to Nketiah and it like floats and he does one cross field pass as well to um, Martinelli where like he literally does, it's like no run up. It's just like from standing start, the power he generates on the ball mm. from such little like effort is remarkable for a 19 year old. And then, there are, like there was a moment where there was a 50-50 where it doesn't look like it's going to get to the ball and then just accelerates, gets to it, the power of the pace. You add to that the, the technical level and I think there's a player here and, you know, for all the, the slack that Edu's got um, when it comes to maybe not getting those signings on board, maybe looking too close to home with the likes of, you know, being linked to Artur in January and Douglas Louise, maybe they feel like lazy signings. We have to also give credit, Martinelli, Marquinhos, they've been uh, they've been really, really good signings. I know Martinelli wasn't him specifically, but th there seems to be some precedent there about like him being able to unearth gems, which I think Arsenal need to do because we're not going to outspend Chelsea, we're not going to outspend City, we're not going to outspend Newcastle in the future, so we need to find these players that are worth maybe... 20 million and buy them for for three million so really really positive i thought yeah and i mean when the transfer window closed one of the we were all pretty disappointed that we were quite short in a couple of areas one of the things that needed to happen was marquinhos show that he can not just play in the europa league but you know contribute in the premier league if he's needed and it's very early days and it was a low level opposition but there are signs there i think that what impresses me most is that he's he's clearly studied that position. As I say, he's, he's seen what the manager wants from the right winger, and um, you know that really impresses me. And I think if he continues with that attitude, works really hard, just like Martinelli's coming and done. Then I think you know we could have unearthed another gem. Hopefully, um, really promising stuff. Let's uh, let's chat a bit more about the fixtures then, because as I say, we held off talking. Um, until we sort of knew what was ahead of us. We've got Brentford on Sunday, which we'll chat about in a minute. 
Um, but then it's a two-week international break. And then we've got the October. And the October's been talked about as as the real testing month for us. Um, it looks, with the changes, well, the slight change that we've had, which is the Man City game being postponed and the PSV game, which is supposed to be played on Thursday this week, is now going to be played in that middle of uh, the week, which is great news because there was sort of growing concern that Arsenal may have to forfeit that game. And whilst you would still hope we get through the group, it's important we win the group. And, you know, if you've lost the home game to PSV, suddenly that away game, if they win their other games, you know, we could have found ourselves in a, in a position that we really didn't want to be in and playing extra games, um, finishing second in the group or God forbid, third in the group, and you drop to the, the conference league. I think. Please don't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to play that game, um, which is great news. But October now looks like this: we've got Spurs, Bodo Glint, Liverpool, all at home mm-hmm. um, in the space of eight days. So it's Saturday, Thursday, Sunday. So two obviously very tough Premier League games, but I think crucially both at home. And the Europa League game, crucially at home as well. Uh, so yeah. I think that's very beneficial for us. It's obviously going to be a tough test, but I do back us against anyone at home to give them a really tough game. We then go now to back to Bodo uh, away, following that game on Thursday, then Leeds away on the Sunday. Then instead of City at home midweek, we go PSV home. So that's that change in the in the scheduling, and then it's Southampton away, PSV away, the following midweek, and then ends October with Forest at home. So, yes, all of those games I've said are October. Uh, it's a huge <laughs> amount. Also, our London stint, or you know, even the south of England stint continues because we, well, we then play our first three games of November either at home or in London, because we've got Zurich at home, Chelsea away, Brighton at home. Yeah. Um, so that looks... Uh, I, do you and know then what? Wolves away, which obviously isn't South England, but then West Ham home, Brighton away, Newcastle home, Tottenham away, United home. Yeah. There's a lot of London, not a lot of travel uh, involved, which is good. But as you can all hear, there's a, a hell of a lot of games yeah. Um, a couple of those I went into are the other side of the World Cup, but I think it's nine games in October. And then you've got four in the first 12 game days of November before we break for the World Cup. So it's a huge, what, less than one and a half months. We've got 13 games. Mm. It's going to be a big test. So I, I want to ask you, with the postponement of Everton and the rearrange of city i my gut feeling was like that's annoying really want to play everton i can't help but think this might be beneficial to us it's really hard to it's really hard to say but playing liverpool having three league home league games in a row that are spurs liverpool and city i know you have to play them at some point but there is something about like the fixture Run in, which can make leads away between that. And I also think that 
that PSV game being postponed, we could basically finish the group on the 20th of October. Like if we go and beat Bodo Glimpt at home um, and then away, don't lose, and then beat PSV at home, you've pretty much topped the group, haven't you? Like that's 10 points. And mm. like even if you lose to PSV away, you're probably still going to come top of the group because they drop points against Bodo Glimpt. So and then we got Zurich at home to finish. Yeah, and then Zurich at home, which you'd think they're going to be the whipping boys, right? Um, but and and you'd think that's going to be three points. So you could basically be in a position after those Bodo Glimpt double headers and the PSV game at home, whether the the group is wrapped up or or there or thereabouts. So yeah, I and and then I, I look at the kind of injury concerns we had like smith rose still out is he going to be back after the international break it's two less games before january which i I think this january window could be a big one for arsenal i can't help but feel this might be a bit beneficial to us specifically now the other side of the coin is i really wanted chelsea liverpool spurs to have games right because I, I think the more those teams play games in in a situ- and United in a situation where they're not in sorts, the better. Yeah. But now Chelsea have got a new coach who we both rate, who is going to go and have like a long time at the training ground. Um, Spurs can surely not play worse than this. I know they picked up a lot of points, but like they, they surely can't be playing worse than this. United, the longer you feel Ten Hag's there, and th- the better they might be. They've had a lot of new transfers. Um, so, so yeah. and, and Liverpool will have injuries back as well. So I think for Arsenal specifically, it's probably good, but relative to other teams, maybe not as good as the advantages that they they might get. Yeah, I think Chelsea are the big winners clearly from it. Um, with the new coach, they were due to play Fulham at twelve thirty last Away Saturday as well, which I was really excited to watch. I felt you know there's no time for Potter to have done anything. I think Fulham are in a good space at the moment. Who knows where they'll be when they play them in February or whenever this game gets played. So I could have seen Chelsea dropping points there and then they were due to play Liverpool this weekend as well. So I think Potter will, will be you know quietly delighted um, with the postponements. But we've got to, obviously, as we've said a few times, make sure we do what, what we need to do. And I guess that is still the concern. You know, we lost our last Premier League game. Uh, and the game at the weekend is Brentford away, which obviously beat Man United 4-0. They've won some good games and looked pretty strong this season. We obviously lost to them with a very different side, of course, in the, in the Premier League opener last year. I think they're a lot stronger than the, the team that beat us that day as well, though. It's going to be a tough game, Pat, and I guess my only concern... I'm not saying Everton was a gimme because I think they're starting to look a little bit better. They're defensively a lot sounder than people think, I, I reckon. Yeah, but I, I think we were still very likely to win that game. And, you know, if we go to Brentford and lose or or fail to win after losing to United, suddenly you're thinking about that for two weeks mm. and things are a lot less positive on on the timeline and then everyone's minds and the next game is the North London derby which would be probably a must win if we were to lose to to Brentford really to avoid um everything sort of turning south you know every game's tough but it does look like a tough run when we've just lost our last game you've got Brentford away and then you come back to Spurs and Liverpool at home 
you know, there is, there's every chance we can go and win all those games. But the, the scared person inside me is saying, <laughs> I can see us losing them all on a bad day as well. So how big is this Brentford game for you? And I'm sure you wouldn't take a point, but is it important no. not to not to lose? Or do you think this is an absolute must win after? No, we, we have to win, I think. And it feels like the Leicester away game last season. That's what it feels like to me. I think Brentford are going to be... I'd rather play Leicester. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, Leicester of last season, right? Who, where did they come? Ninth in the end. And uh, mm. they they look pretty good at times, especially yeah. attacking-wise. Um, it feels like one of those like fairly tough away games. Like, But th- at the same time, this is an easier game than Palace away, right? Like categorically on paper this is an easier game I know Palace mm. have not similar challenge I think in that we've had bad experience there before there's that sort of mental thing to overcome I do think we just play worse when it's dark uh, so I'm quite <laughs> happy that it's been moved to, to 12 o'clock because otherwise with what the 4.30 uh, kickoff it would have started to get dark and we would have lost our heads it's all the banter about what is it Odegaard in the sunshine right so yeah um, I'm happy it was a 12 o'clock <laughs> kickoff rather than this game being a midweek one which um, I think is which I think is mad by the way like I I don't understand the rhetoric that he's never good in like big games or under the lights or whatever like he was one of our best players in the run in against all those big teams um, mm. just for the record but yeah I, I think Brentford have got some good players I do think that you know they have conceded nine goals this season they've scored a bunch scored the second most in the scored league. the second most but I think if I'm right in saying they've kind of They've kind of over overperformed fairly. Well, they got four against United and five against Leeds, didn't they? So yeah, so their three home games this season: four 0 against United, five two against Leeds, and one all draw with Everton. Everton that day were pretty fortunate, I think. Yeah, I I, I kind of like they've overperformed XG by like four or five goals we've had some unlucky goals go in against us but i think mm. our xg against is probably around five there or thereabouts we can see yeah seven. i think that leeds game they were lucky to win by that margin for memory yeah. i think leeds had just looking now yeah leeds had 69 percent of the ball 17 shots to 14 last five two i i don't think this is like a particularly defensively amazing team right I think that we should we should go there and dominate and try and win this game. Let's got to go with that confidence. Uh, yeah. That's behind a lot of our good performances. It's just it's it's mental and playing with that authority that we are the better team and then in the key moments taking our chances and not making silly mistakes because almost every goal has been a big error from us or something stupid that we've thrown away and we can't keep doing that without getting punished. It happened at Old Trafford. It can't happen against Brentford. I mean, you know, they're a good team, but as you say, they're back four. It's Hickey, who's got a lot of promise, but better going forward than he is backwards. Uh, the centre-backs are Ben Mee and Janssen and Rico Henry at left-back. I mean, with our front three, we've got to be trying to cause damage to that. Yeah, that's what I... I as soon as you mentioned some of those players, I just kind of think about, like the mismatches in Saka Martinelli out wide Jesus has given far better centre-backs than that a tough time 
I, I, they like to play out from the back with Raya and I, I think hopefully our press can be quite good. I think one of the things we haven't talked about, Ollie, is Thomas Party being back mm. and you'd expect, given the kind of... For how long? History. Oh, yeah. Again, <laughs> that's the question. The history of, like, how important he is to Arsenal on the pitch and how much Arteta trusts and rates him. I think that he'll start and I think that will be a big, big boost um, for Arsenal. Mm. But I think Lacong has come in and done really well, but you kind of think about just how big a level up he is. I mean, I, 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 you know, the only better player in his position is probably Rodri in the league, maybe in the world, right? So... I think sometimes we under-index just how good he is because he's not like, he's not the flashy Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus type where, you know, they, they make a move and it takes your breath away. And I, he has those moments where he turns out of nothing and it, you know, the, the crowd oohs and ahs. But positionally, I think that relationship with, with Xhaka, like when those two are on the pitch, it just feels like you can go to war against anyone. Like I really feel like when those two are on the pitch and you've got Gabriel there on the left and Saliba on the right, Arsenal feel like physically very formidable and they can match anyone. And I, I just wouldn't underestimate how important that is. There's some stats going around about um, Arsenal's win record with Xhaka and party on the pitch. And you do feel that when those kind of quote unquote men are on the pitch, Arsenal feel a lot more confident and you add into the the kind of experience and know-how and winning mentality of Jesus and Zinchenko it just feels like we've got a lot of quality on there and I'm hoping we can turn 15 points into 18 on Sunday yeah I mean if we want to be where we want to be it is a game we've went at for as good as they're coached and they have some really dangerous players and the big test will be handling sort of Tony and Mbwemo's pace probably against Zinchenko on that right wing. There's some potential points where they can they can catch us and try and catch us on the break is probably exactly what they're going to try and do after watching the game at Old Trafford. So that's a challenge, but we got to win this game if it's if we want to be where we want to be. And, you know, hopefully we'll have a full strength team. I'm a bit hesitant to, to be guaranteed on that because... What game was it where we told everyone was fit and then Zinchenko and Partey were out when the lineups were at home, right? Yeah, so you never know until the team's out, but there's a good chance from what we're hearing at the moment that we will have our strongest 11 available. When when we played that strongest 11, whether it's Chelsea in pre-season or the first three or four games, I think we managed to play it. We looked really, really good. So it was the team that went to Palace and, and dominated. And at least for that the first team half. that starts, yeah. Mm. And mm. and look, like if you win that, you're on 18 points, and you play Spurs at home. Who look, I know they're always dangerous. They're going to be annoying and pick up points because they've got elite forwards, like two of the best forwards in the world in Kane and Son. I know Son's not done so well this season, but they're there to be got at. Like mm. you get them to the Emirates, and you really put the pressure on them, and I think they will crack. Like, I, I really think there's a good chance that we could really, really pile the pressure on them. And look, like, this means more than three points because you're also putting a top four contender out of sorts if you beat them. And we know what Conte's like after losses. We know what he's like with the dressing room when things aren't going his way. There's already some weird things going on with 
Emerson Royale constantly starting and you know Kulisewski <laughs> being in and out of the side they're playing Romero through injuries I watched I watched him last night and he was well one terrible but also literally couldn't sprint back at times like I, I almost felt bad for him then remembered that he's a Spurs player but they're playing him through injuries um there's some very average players in that team and we need to go and beat them we owe them one after that 3-0 um and we need to we need to really hammer that Spurs team. So hopefully, if we can again another nice early kickoff at home, hopefully the sun will be shining first of October. Mm. Go and beat them. And if you can do those two things, you know you're sitting with you're sitting there with 21 points, and and you're limiting Spurs to being at most with with 17 and kind of deflation after a defeat defeat so i think these two next games are really crucial we just gotta cross our fingers we can do the business on sunday no one gets injured over the international breaks and we can go into that Mm. with confidence yeah i really hope we can get the job done on sunday because as i said earlier it's a long time to be thinking about the next game with the international break and so i think we've got to keep that mood high and then yeah top four contender spurs followed by another one really in Liverpool with the way they're looking I don't think they'll be too far away from from the teams chasing four from the early signs I know they've got players coming back now but just feels like they're uh, all a little bit tired and they will be involved in that pack chasing fourth so yeah some exciting days to come but I think we'll wrap it up there Pat we will try and talk a little bit more about some issues off the pitch. We've got Saka and Saliba's contract situations, mm. which maybe will hopefully progress during that international break. Um, we've got obviously the January window, which won't, once we get back playing, you know, there's only October, November games, and then it's the World Cup, which I'm sure Arsenal then turn their attention to, to sort of getting deals in place, you'd hope for early in that January window. So I'm sure we'll start to see some links coming out, which seems crazy because it's only just closed, but we've got to do it. And um, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll have some more fixture changes to to chat about. Hopefully not. Let's get back to, to playing football. And hopefully we've got three more points to talk about. Some more yes, yes, yes. When we talk <laughs> next, but it's a nervous game. I'm very nervous yes, about it. I'm going to be nervous for it. I'm going to feel exactly how I felt when we went to Leicester away, where everyone was like, "Oh, have we got it together yet?" And I'm hoping for a similar start. Uh, those Gabriel and Smith Rowe goals I celebrated very hard on the day, and mm. I definitely bite your hand off for a two 0 Yeah, I mean, to be honest, apart from maybe Forest and Bournemouth at home, I'll probably get fairly nervous for every Premier League game this season so that is just part of football and I tend to think of the worst case scenarios and be surprised um, hopefully but uh, yeah thank you very much for listening again to the Fresh Arsenal podcast we've talked a little bit about football with the Zurich game and, and the changes to our schedule and obviously the big game against Brentford on Sunday all feels a little bit weird still I hope everyone's uh, doing well and hopefully we will be there as a fresh Arsenal crew at the Emirates at some stage and, and see some people as well. I'm sure we'll get tickets sorted out again for another game. Maybe Forest at home. I'm eyeing up. If anyone's got a ticket, let me know. <laughs> but we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you very much.
Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.